Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another incredible episode of with Tamara Gondor. That is me. Hey, listen, first, I just wanted to say thank you to the tens of thousands of listeners across the globe for the reviews that have been coming in, for your comments on social media, for the emails that you send me. It makes me so happy to know that you're getting so much out of it. And one of the things that keeps coming up for people, and something that I'm hearing in the feedback is they feel like the content is really relatable, that the insights are something they can actually do. So I could not be happier. That was the point of interviewing everyday innovators. So thank you for all the feedback. Keep it up. And hey, go make sure you give us those reviews because more reviews equals more listens, which equals more impacts. And I just, I get so excited to do what I do. I have such a great job. I get to interview everyday innovators from across the globe who are out there thinking differently, shaking it up, moving themselves and their businesses forward, especially in this time of change where it's so needed. And I then get to bring them to you. And if you're out there and you're like, hey, Tamara, I think I'm an everyday innovator, go to our website, nominate yourself, fill out the form, nominate someone you work with. We'd love to have you on the show. All right. Speaking of the show, let's get into it today. So let me tell you a little bit about Casey and his everyday innovator style before he introduces himself to you. So Casey is an instinctual imaginative. So let me tell you what that means because you're going to hear it all through our conversation. So the instinctual side is a much more circuitous way of thinking. So while the rest of us are like A to B to C to D, Casey's more like A to B to X over to Y, back over to X, back to A. But because of that, instinctuals like Casey tend to connect dots in new and meaningful ways. They find the insights, the patterns, the trends in the information that's in front of us. So they elevate what they see in front of them. It's very gut reaction because it's kind of that gut and then to logical. And then the imaginative side is all about innovation in the gaps. It's all about playing with things don't yet exist. They're really good at that fresh perspective, that novel approach. So that combination of instinctual imaginative, the magic in that is it brings connective novel innovation to the table. So powerful in the world that continues to be about rapid change and uncertainty. So let's dig into all the wisdom Casey's going to share with us. So with that, Casey, welcome to the show. Tell the world a little bit about who you are and the world that you're in. Awesome. Well, thanks tomorrow for having me. I, uh, I didn't know. I didn't actually fully understand what my my, my style of innovation was. So thank you. I feel like yeah. I have a much clearer understanding of it. And it, I would agree that, you know, based on the assessment I took that, yeah. that lines up, um, you know, high level, I run a small business advisory firm. Uh, I'm out of Chicago, Illinois, uh, but we're spread throughout the U S and, you know, really my world right now is I've got, uh, two beautiful kids at home. Well, actually just had a child four weeks ago. Uh, congrats. Yeah. So I'm a little off the, uh, the paternity. Yeah. So, uh, it was great to hear from me. I was like, yeah, I do have a little bit of availability right now. Um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I've got that going on at home and, but we're, we're a fast growing advisory firm and we really work with small business owners to figure out how to help teach them from business owner to CEO. And we help them grow and scale the companies and the organizations by working with them and their executive teams. And, you know, really what we see innovation in every day is, is, is we see 
how do we get our business owners to shift their thinking? How do we get them to think differently to unlock more growth potential? And that's one of the reasons why we've had such a successful, you know, kind of scale over the last six or seven years is because our ability to help clients truly make transformational shifts in the organization and to innovate within the organization, which therefore creates the scale. So it's every day, every day we're, we're innovating within, you know, hundreds and hundreds of businesses. So I love what you just said about you kind of tap innovation to unlock growth potential. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm just curious, Casey, what do you see are the biggest uh, barriers to that when these kind of small business owners come into your business owners come into your mm-hmm. network? What are they dealing with that needs to be unlocked? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of folks that it's it starts with a mindset and a, and a really understanding their, their strengths and their preferences. And the reason why mm-hmm. I say that is so often we, we meet owners that are coming in with imposter syndrome or they're, mm-hmm. they're coming in with this, well, this is how it's done in our industry, you know, and, and we're, we're intentionally industry agnostic because we want to force ourselves to ask questions that most industry experts would never slow down to ask because it allows us to, you know, unlock mm-hmm. that. So I think that's the first barrier that comes to mind, or that, I guess the first two barriers that come to mind is their confidence and their mindset level where they're just, they don't have the confidence to start to think out of the box. They haven't given themselves permission to do that. Yeah. And then I think the second one that really hits home again is just the industry must be the way that the industry is and how do they make it their own? And they, people just forget the tailoring part. You, you know, I've always said, you know, rob and duplicate, right? R&D, not research and development, rob and duplicate, and then tailor, right? Tailor it and make it your own. And yeah. that it's me as a form of innovation because you take the areas where you're not as strong based on your preferences and strengths and you tweak them and innovate on them to make it work for you. So that is so... But I got. I can have a whole conversation just on kind of those two things alone, and I, I think especially sure. the, impo- the imposter syndrome. Because in fact, I was just speaking at an auto care conference, and the woman after me spoke specifically about imposter syndrome, and it was fascinating to me to watch all these senior leaders in the room like nodding their heads, like how oh, yeah. much imposter sy- syndrome so many people have, particularly successful people, ironically, oh, right? Yeah. And, and how much that actually holds you back. And I think I'd love to hear your perspective on this. For me, anyway imposter syndrome keeps me in the weeds because I'm comfortable there, right? Like I can do the work. Mm -hmm. It's easy for me to do the work. And if I do the work, I'm not actually building the business, the thing that's scary. And I'm not sure I'm actually ready for, you know what I mean? I don't don't know if that's what you see, but that's, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Cause that's certainly for me where I catch myself. Well, look, we know this, right? There's, and I'm going to speak towards entrepreneurs because I, this is all I'm engaged with every day. But, you know, when we meet these business owners, we know when we have the owner in front of us who wants to jump off the cliff and has no problem building that plane on the way down and will land safely. That's, that's a type of entrepreneur. Then there's the entrepreneur that has to have all the data worked out. You know, if you go back to Myers Briggs, right, really, really high on the S, like they, they need to have all the data. Everything has to be locked in and ready to roll in their mind before they're willing to make that jump. And so, that's where I find imposter syndrome is when you're a business owner and you're creating or you're innovating, you don't always get all of the data. You have to make True. assumptions and you have to you have to go off calculated gut, as I guess you, you talked about myself. You have to go off calculated gut and hope for the best. And I think what happens is that after you go through a few of those initial failures up front, the resiliency that you have naturally transitions mm-hmm. into imposter syndrome. Because I think everybody stop doesn't start with imposter syndrome. I think they actually go out and they try those one or two things. It's just, what's your resilience to work through the number of times you'll mm-hmm. fail before imposter syndrome takes over in a certain category or area of your life that you're working on? And that's that's my philosophy. I have no <laughs> training to know if that's true. That's just it's a pattern that I keep seeing over and over and over again. No, I really appreciate that because I, I do. I love how you said that about 
you're pushing through and it's a matter of your resilience to push through before imposter syndrome takes over. And I think you're right. I think there's a level of comfort that we hit. Like there's like a ceiling that we hit. And then when we hit that ceiling, imposter syndrome takes over and we fall back on patterns and behaviors that keep us underneath that ceiling. And we have to figure out how to push through that ceiling and push through the imposter syndrome. So I I just, I, 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 like I said, we can have a whole conversation on that alone. I want to ask you a question though. What's a big win or something that you are proud of? Anything, or does it need to be geared towards innovation? Hmm. I guess if if I had to just pick one thing I'm really proud of, we are this year in our company, we totally redesigned our training program after having it kind of locked in for five or six years. And we're double right now the amount of output coming out of the gates of our new advisors. And I'm really proud because transparently, when the opportunity presented itself for me to go get involved, you know, as a CEO of the company to kind of take over that world with a few other colleagues in, in the company. I kind of went through a little bit of a, ah, it's below me. I built that like five years ago. Why would I have to go do that? And obviously it's not, I love training. You know, I love bringing our new people. I don't mean it that way, but you know, as an owner, you kind of like, ah, I need to stay focused on the macro, you know, look outside, keep driving the organization. But we, you know, head down two really hard months right before I actually gave birth <laughs> to our second child. And it was just a crazy time that I was so stressed out, but come out on the other end and the rewards are through the roof. And it was just an opinion of going, we keep trying to figure out how to make our team more and more successful. What if we just redesigned how they kick out in the first place? And it was mm. just, anyway, really, really proud of it. That's like the one thing in my world right this minute that really comes to mind. So I just, first of all, I just want to say congratulations because it takes a lot of work to revamp a behemoth like that. Like that's a big shift that you're trying it to move down. So yeah. Yeah. No. So kudos to that. I, I'm curious uh, because you said, right. Like, and I, and I've been through this on that. I know a lot of leaders out there, like I shouldn't have to do X, Y, Z, right. I've, oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've paid my dues, right. Like I'm yes. past that. You know that feeling. But what value or what did you learn coming out from, you know, behind your metaphorical desk and kind of doing some of this work that maybe you wouldn't have learned or understood about the business, your customer. Oh, I know this. Advisors. Yeah. That you, that, you know, had you been behind the desk and not gotten involved, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have known. How complicated everything became. Mm, tell me more. It was from, you know, we're, we're an eight year old firm and, you know, really in scale for the last six years. And, and you know, during that period, how we used to, we, we really took things almost back to the basics this year of what we were training on. And it was uh, a lot of the work that I did was stripping complexity out. Mm-hmm. We'd over, we'd over, everybody wanted to go even further on the, what we need to train, what we need to develop, how we needed to help them just to go, Hey, these are talented, smart people. They can think for themselves, yeah. give them the base model, make it more autonomous, allow them, you know, to move within the models that you train and teach them on. And, and that was, I was just shocked how complex it had become when I went into it. That was the biggest learning I had hands yeah. down. I bet you I would challenge all of us, all of us listening to actually go get involved in the things that we used to do or that like aren't part <laughs> of our jobs anymore and see, and, and then maybe we had a decision in or a hand in how it got done. I am always amazed when I eat my own dog food, as they say, like when I come into yeah. my business as a customer where there's friction that I didn't even know, kind of to your point about complication. So oh, it is totally. like, yeah, you just got to walk out from behind your desk more often than you realize. Um, I, I love that you share that because I, I think we, and I, and I think uh, in the last couple of years in particular, a lot of businesses have patchworked a lot of things in an effort to get through. Yeah. And I think if we took a step back and said, what have we patchworked and what can we untangle? There'd be a lot of opportunity for not just simplicity, but for growth and innovation inside there as well that we're not seeing right now because things are patchworked together. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree with that comment. It's, it's, 
just one one piece on that. Yeah. Like what we what we continue to see is that collaboration, depending on who's in the group, is is a phenomenal tool, but it also can be something that takes away, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we've continued to find is is this done? Is this fully baked? Is this okay? Great. We're not working on this. No one needs to add to the fire or collaborate <laughs> any further on this. This is the way we do things. It's locked, set in stone. This is our yeah. SOP. We're done. But these two are still really open. You should be trying things. You should be innovating on things. And I find owners that can speak in that kind of language with their teams can avoid what you just said. Hey, I want to ask you a question on that. Um, this is derailing us a little bit, but I think... Derail away. In what you said, there's actually... my innovation some... style, right? I'm <laughs> yeah, right. Let's, actually, this is great for you. Um, <laughs> exactly. This is how I, this, this yeah, is my you're time. Like, perfect tomorrow. Um, but, but you said something about like, you know, don't innovate here. Like, let's leave this alone, right? Here are two areas to innovate. And you said it kind of quickly, but I actually think there's something really powerful in there that I'd love to hear you talk about. And that is what is your criteria for where you should innovate and spend time and energy and what you should leave alone? Because I actually think the obvious answer is, well, if it's working, don't touch it. But that's not really the answer, is it? So I'd yeah. love to hear like if you thought about with the business owners you work with and in, in, in you leading the business, how do you make that decision of like, all right, this piece is good. These pieces we're going to spend time on. Well, it depends on the core belief and values of the organization. So my core belief is that everything can always be optimized further. There's, there's no, you know, people get stuck trying to create perfection. I don't know why anybody worries about that. You're never going to get there. No one, no part of your company is going to get there. No part of what you do is going to get there. And so if you truly believe that, and that's the values, you know, within your organization or the teams that you lead, then that opens up the door to go, okay, that means we believe we can optimize anything. We can, you know, innovate on anything. The problem with that is if you let the free for all, there's, there's no output, right? Nothing actually, there's no way to communicate. There's no way. So this is more of a, um, uh, a management tactic or more of a, uh, you know, an approach that you have to take to be able to drive performance and drive growth yeah. in terms of whatever the widget or, you know, whatever, you know, type of business it's in. And so for my belief, it's the reason, the way that you do this is you actually lock in and go, where are the areas that we can get the most gains in pursuit of mm-hmm. our goal and in pursuit of our vision? It's the classic, you know, work the maze backwards. We right. want to get here as a vision. Here's the goals that we've set. What are the one or two items that if we go and innovate and optimize altogether on and really trial and error or innovate on in all the different capacities possible? If we move that lever, that will get us there the fastest. Mm-hmm. So it's just really more thinking through the lens of prioritization and using that as your common language with your team to go, hey, we can optimize everything. But I only want you on these two or three because here's why. Let me show you the data. Let me show you what we're trying to do and how it connects to the big picture and why we're all choosing to innovate in these areas this year. And that's the metric we're going to move or the item or the product build or, you know, depends on the type of business. But. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff Zoe is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition. And I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business, 
They deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. So I love what you said about the lever, by the way. And, and I don't know if you've read the book, The One Thing, about like, you know, he talks. I haven't about, read that one. So it's really good. I just talked about another podcast too. It's so funny. Um, it's Keller Williams. You, get your royal, you have to get your royal. I know, there. right? It's either Keller Williams. I can't remember which one, but I love the book. Okay. And one of the things he talks about is his whole thing about what he focuses on is what's the one thing if I do this makes all other things easier, go away better, something like that. Mm. And I think it exactly applies to what you just said. And I talk about it in a little bit of a different way, but I think it really is in alignment with what you're saying about where do you focus on like growth and innovation on a team and a company as a leader. And I think it's, you know, if I, what's the one problem that if I solve this problem makes all other problems easier, go away. It's the 80%. Yeah, because I do think yeah. that we get trapped in trying to solve everything, but it's a lot of little things. And yeah, a lot of little things can have compounding value. But if we look, if we took a step back and looked at the bigger picture, what you just said about like, what's the lever we're going to pull that's really going to push us forward? That to me is like, what's the one thing that if we focus on this makes everything else easier? I have a phenomenal tactic that we teach advisors mm-hmm. um, that I think will help some people that are listening yeah. in like, okay, great good advice, but how, right? Like, how do I actually do that? What, what we found is a really great tactic that we teach our advisors, because if you think our advisors world, their job is to figure out how to break down the business as fast as possible to identify mm. the priority or the lever. It's what we do all day, every day. That's what we're, you know, I'd say we're world-class at. And so it's all about this macro to micro approach. And a really simple exercise is take the item that you want to work on and keep breaking it down into as many layers as possible. So it's almost mm. annoying. And you just, you just keep building it down and down and down. And you're never going to go that deep in the weeds, but you do that exercise to then figure out where is the right breakup of compartmentalization with whatever you're trying to implement or drive, right? And so you end up finding yourself usually somewhere in the middle, but it's hard if you just come at it from a macro or really in the weeds, yeah. you're in trouble. So you have to force yourself to go, I'm in the macro. I'm going to go all the way down to the nitty gritty ditty and just keep breaking it out and compartmentalizing the tiny little steps until I realize this is the level where I actually want to stay focused at and drive on now. So I just want to make sure that we all get it. Cause I would like, if I'm listening, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go do this exercise. Will you walk me through without giving away any details of any client, but it it did make it general, like start me at macro and just work me down so that I can see how it comes together. I can't, I can't make it general. I'm just going to tell you an example. Um, So, you know, we are, our company right now is getting ready to implement a light valuation tool, meaning when mm-hmm. companies come to us, we're able to identify what the value of their organization is. Mm-hmm. And 
there's a lot that goes into that because we have our own online portal that has to be connected. We have our own scorecard that runs the scoring that we'd want to allocate in the algorithm into that valuation because the valuation range would be allocated. We want to make sure we connect the goals and the value so we can come to the client and say, based on the value you want to achieve, these are your goals. You're going to have to raise this business and shift these levers in the business. And therefore, it all turns into a perfect science. This is where you get to exit, where you make the money and hit the vision that you went after. This This is the kind of work we do all day, every day, manually. Yeah. We're working to bring more tech enablement to make that happen. This is a huge project. Yeah. And we've been spinning on this for a year. Spinning. Until finally, we just start breaking it down. Real and, and insane detail to go, let's compartmentalize all of it into all separate platforms. Let's mm-hmm. assume every widget is separate and then somehow we connect the two. Okay, now yeah. let's take each item and go, let's go through every question that has to be asked in every single one of these different mm-hmm kind of assessment forms or, you know, whatever the purpose of each of their elements are. And what what we did is we went so deep that then you, you're in such the weeds. You're just like, well, now I'm confused. You go up a level. <laughs> I'm still confused. We go up another level. I'm still confused. Oh my gosh, wait a minute. We can go get a third party valuation tool. We don't have to build that. Got it. We just need them to place a, a, a dollar amount into our assessment tool and then we can link it to our dashboard. And all of a sudden you start to see a roadmap form itself on its own where you go, I see an eight-step process of how to go do this. And then there's innovation within each step of how to make it your own and your brand and how you're going to approach the situation. So that's just a simple example to go, you have this big macro thing, but then you start to break it down to where it's like, okay, we want to create a valuation assessment tool. There's eight components of it. Within those eight components of each section, there's 20 questions in this one. There's 40 questions in this one. Anyhow, it, it's, no. it's an internal example, so it may be hard to fully resonate, but it, what it does is if you force yourself, the question to ask yourself once you're all the way to the bottom is, is this confusing? Yep. Yeah. Is this confusing? Yep. It's not confusing anymore. Okay. This is where this is how we should task people to these compartmentalization and go as a team and collaborate. Yeah. And build. I think the big aha that I got from what you just said, Casey, is we either look at it too big or too small. And both of those yep. don't work in terms of actually driving growth and moving things forwards. It's really somewhere in the middle is what I heard you say. I love that. So let me flip it for a second and ask, what's a challenge that you faced and how have you overcome it? <laughs> well, we were having a challenge in getting our advisors out of the gates at the same speed we were used to getting. <laughs> so we went and recreated the training and got in the weeds and innovated it and really recreated the way we approached it. Let's use a different example. One of the challenges that we we took on you know, more recently was how do we tell our story? Mm-hmm. How do we tell our cultivate story? And how do we explain what our, what our firm does? And it's so tailored. Everything we do is so one-on-one. It's hard to tell the unique story every time. No one wants to sit there and read 100 case studies. How do you actually bring that story out? And so we had to get really clear. And, and, and this is the most simple resolution, by the way. But we actually just we started forcing our advisors to go ask all of their clients for Google reviews. And what we found is that they were actually able to tell our story better than we were. And, we, and what really helped us is we just actually stopped telling our story. We actually just forced our clients to tell the story and started creating incentives. And it's a simple example. I know a lot of companies- No, I love it. Vision, but it's just something so basic that we were trying to figure out every PR agency, you know, every way to design the website, all these- Like the most clever tagline ever. You know, we have, we have 400 you know, five-star Google reviews that are paragraphs long where they go in detail what their numbers are, what their metrics are, exactly what we did for them, how we solved it, right? And it's just you just look back and you're just like, 
we're idiots. Like now let's just link Google reviews, to the bottom of all of our email signatures. If anybody ever, you know, is like, what can you do for me? Honestly, just go read the reviews. Like they're better than our <laughs> website. Well, here, it, here's, here's what I love about this though, is first of all, simplicity is king. And, and we often forget that the best innovative, even most innovative answer is actually probably the simplest. Yeah. And that the answer is probably right in front of us. We're just not looking in the right places or asking the right questions. But the other thing I'd say is, and I, I recently spoke to a group of um, insulation business owners. Okay. And one of the things in construction in particular, I found consistent across is because they're so brilliant at knowing their product. They're not good at selling their business to their client, right? Or what That's their true. client needs. And they're, it, it's, they're just, they're, they are in their lane, right? And they're brilliant yep. at their lane, but that makes it hard to connect. And we had this whole conversation about ask. You know, like go ask your customer, what is it you do well and what can you improve? We were kind of talking about both sides of the coin. Sure. But yeah, but it's so interesting to me that the, our clients often have the better language than we do. And so mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we get stuck or our ideas don't land because we use our, our language for our features and benefits that we think is absolutely brilliant because we live and breathe this thing every single day and we know the ins and outs of it. When what we should be doing is exactly what you just said, which is letting somebody else, our customers, our clients tell us, and then using their language. Well, the best way to innovate, right? Somebody told me this. The best way to innovate is to pose a question. Yeah. Right. Without a question, you'll probably never innovate. So my perspective on that is, you know, when you're in the, if it's a home service construction brand or whatever it is, like take whatever you're wanting to say and turn it into a simple question and let the, let the customer or the, you know, prospective client sell it for you. And have them answer it. And, and then that way you pick up their nomenclature, you, you pick up their common language, and you present it back to them in their form. So I think it just it just slows down to say, yeah. just try to remind yourself innovation generally comes by posing a question. So if you want to change it, yeah. just start asking the question and you'll learn very quickly what that language is. I agree. And I would add to that posing a question without judgment of the answer. Um, and being curious about the why behind the answer. I think yeah. it's, it's the second level of like, well, what makes you say that? Well, tell me more about oh, that. Yeah. Where you yeah, where you start to really go, oh, and I mean, how many of us, particularly I think business owners, someone calls my baby ugly, it is very offensive, you know, like it, it's, <laughs> it's, but really like it's this, um, yep. you know, you've worked hard on whatever it is you put out into the world and, you know, you want, you want people to love it. And when they have a critique or a language that maybe doesn't fit your vision, it's, For it sure. can feel not so great, but, but that's where the best ideas are. It's such an emotional thing. Yeah. But once you yeah. open up, I call it once you're the humble bragger, you know, mm. you know you have it, but you're humble for that openness. It, it definitely opens the doors to be able to make those shifts. But I totally agree with you. That's a real thing that a lot of owners struggle with. Yeah, no, I, I know. I've, I've not anymore, but I used to for sure. Um, yeah. You know, you you talked about innovation as a kind of unlocking growth and, and innovation being a lever. What does it yeah. mean to you to be an everyday innovator and to like continue to unlock those levers? Well, I guess you know when you ask that, I, I think of two ways. Like one thing I think a lot of is I think. I think a lot about, are you still on the right lever, right? So one of the ways of being a really good innovator in my mind, like, you know, unlocking constantly is actually just always being open that the levers need to change or shift based on what, what is coming at you. I think so often we get stuck on whatever the item might be that we're trying yeah. to drive that we, we start to get more information and we're like, oh, you know, just pivot, pivot, pivot again, pivot again. I always think whenever I say pivot now, right? I just think about Ross from Friends, pivot. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's just, the meme is envisioned pivot, in my pivot. brain. Um, but I, I think that's really important. I think a lot of people struggle with that. I think the other, yeah. for me personally, it's just, you know, 
daring to be bold. You know, we have a really fun exercise that we do a lot on innovation, which is, and we probably learned this from somewhere. So I apologize if I'm stealing somebody's thunder, but again, R&D, Rob and Duplicate, you know, it's, it's build a rocket or do nothing, right? And so a lot of times when we're looking for ideas or we're thinking about how to solve a problem, I just draw a really fast line up and to the right. At the very top, I put build a rocket. At the very bottom, I say, do nothing. And I say, force yourself to come up with 10 ideas that are evenly spaced apart and make Mm -hmm. it the most complex, crazy cost. Don't worry about it. Throw the cost out. Throw all the complications. It may seem like you know, a science that you could never crack. Put it up there by the rocket. Maybe it's the only solution. Come all the way back down. And and try to start at the most crazy ideas and come down to the most simple ideas. And generally, people pick two or three in. Generally, they pick the idea that's always two or three in terms of the level of simplisticness mm-hmm. or ideas you know, in terms of cost allocation and ROI. And so for me, I just never want to lose sight of being willing to pivot and identify and move levers when I realize more information comes in and you know, crack my stubbornness per se. And two, I want to always keep forcing myself to be bold and, and go outside of the lines. And, and the only way I know how to do that is to create little structures and little games and tools for myself that force me to do it. Otherwise... You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm like everybody else when I innovate. I'm just like, oh, I don't really have any ideas. But if I just sit down and force myself to write them out, I'll come up with something. So what's one of the games or exercises that you do? Well, I just kind of explained them, right? Like the five, like I'll force myself mm-hmm. to go down five levels or I'll force myself to draw a line and come up with 10 ideas from doing nothing to building a rocket. So it's just, it's, that's more what I mean. Like I create these little rules yeah, that yeah, I have yeah. to operate in whenever I'm making decisions that, you know, like anytime I spend... This is just not necessarily an innovation, but I always get business owners. So I'm like, how do you know how to measure ROI? Like, if people have all these great, you know, equations, and here's how you work it backwards, and here's how you know what your output will be. And I'm like, you know what? That's half right. The other half is just just go. How much does this spend? Twenty five grand. Okay, great. Is there anywhere else I would put that twenty five grand that would make it would be would, in my eyes be better than doing it on this? Yes. Then great. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go do that. Right. I like it. So it's just, but I those are just little rules I've just taught myself over the years that just force you to think against and play devil's advocate for yourself. Because to me, that's what a lot of innovation is, is just forcing yourself outside the lines. Here's what I really appreciate that though, Casey, and I hope that the audience really picks up on this, is you're very intentional about it. So it is. I think it's very easy to um, go too deep and then stay there. I think it's very easy to stay in your lane and not like, look, oh, is there a faster lane over here that I yeah. should be going into? Right? Flying. Maybe I should right, do what like, they're doing. Right. I mean, how many yeah. of us have been in traffic where we're stuck in the lane and we're like, no, we're just going to stick it out because if I go in that <laughs> lane, it's going to slow down. So I should just stay here. And then two hours later, the is sometimes it does do that though. That's true. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. That's true. But that's true. There, like, there could be other things happening, right? Like maybe there's construction, maybe there's a car accident that you yeah, can't yeah, sure. see, right? So, but, but I think you, but I do think even for those of us who, you know, would be considered innovators at maybe a higher level and then by higher, I mean, we really just practice it every day. That's all it is, yeah. but it, it's because of the intention behind it of, all right, I'm going to force myself to think differently. I'm going to force myself to play these little games that get me to drive innovation, especially yeah. when I know the answer, because that's the time when I think you really have to make sure you take a step back and go, hold on okay, this is the decision we're making. We are certain about this, but let's just poke at it a little bit before yeah. we move on. So I just want everybody to hear the intention that goes into it. What's a piece of advice you have for everyday innovators out there of all styles, but for you as an essential imaginative, what advice do you have for them to innovate, influence, and make an impact the way you do in your work and world? Good question. I mean, the first thing coming to mind is this. My biggest piece of advice is actually to never label someone as their inability to innovate. Yeah. Honestly, that's a piece of advice that hits me when you ask me that question because 
you know, from, from people that have never ran a business, sometimes we'll chat with them and at, from their customer experience, right? A friend or mine, I'll, I'll ask them about my business and they'll tell me something. I'll be like, oh my gosh, you just made me think of something completely different of how to approach this. And so just, you know, you're not in a horse race, take the blinders off, get them away, you know, like open your eyes and, and, you know, I mean, I, tomorrow you and I have a great example, right? You're like, Hey, let's do this podcast. I'll be like, I'd love to. And then I'm just like, Hey, by the way, I need a favor. I need you to do this. Right. It's like, it's just that mindset of just like, yeah. everybody can help with everything. And I have no idea if you're connected to who I need to get connected to, but I'm just letting you know, Hey, but I you want might to well ask. So I'm going to ask what's the worst can happen. Yeah. She's like, I don't know anybody. I'm like, no problem, but I need to find this person in the next 30 days. <laughs> so I'm just telling everybody and I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're my nanny or if they're, you know, a 17 year old babysitter. I don't, I don't care. Um, you know, it's like, ask if they may know the person. And so, or, or, you know, that's just one example, but I just yeah. want me and take those blinders off and just don't assume people are not, I hate when people are like, oh, this person isn't a good innovator. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's just not true. Actually. <laughs> like you're just, you have to get them in the right mode and, and ask the right things of them. And then you'll, you'll get some unbelievable ideas from everybody. I love what you just said. You have to get them in the right mode and ask them the right things. Well, what's that old phrase? Like if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree or, or something like that. Um, I'm not going to be able to help you with that one. It, it's, it's something like that. It's, <laughs> okay. I, I think we'll have to look it up say, after. We're going to say Einstein said it because I can't actually right, remember. But, but the point being, right? Like you've got to ask the right things to the right people. I mean, I, I could go on about how everybody's innovative in the science behind it, but, but I want to focus on what you were just saying, which is like, don't assume that of other people. And I, I think what gets in our way is we see innovation a certain way because that's how we do it. So when the yep. people around us don't do it in the same way, we, we label it incorrectly as not innovative. And then we don't tap the people that could actually help us move forward because yeah. we assume the wrong things, whether that's because of attitude, title, job description, what we think of them, who knows? Yeah, whatever the barrier is, yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. But I love what you're saying about like, never assume that you never know. But there's something else you said that just kind of made my eyes go wide as you were saying that is like, you never know who knows someone who's going to help, who's going to, I think oftentimes fear of asking holds us back from asking Silo-y. and putting all, all, yeah, putting this stuff out there. And when we do that, we really miss opportunities for not just innovation, but for connection and growth. And because we're afraid, like I'm afraid to ask you to do whatever it is I need to do, but I don't know how else we're supposed to move forward unless we don't ask and tell. I got to tell you, this is a random side note, but I've, I've been watching the Kanye Net- Netflix documentary series. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go with me for a second. All right. I'm, one, I'm go- I haven't watched yeah, it, so I'll try to go. <laughs> um, here's what I'll tell you. Here's what impressed me about it. He tells everybody what he's doing, what he's going to do, how he's going to do it. Like anyone that'll listen, it could be the person on the street to the you know director of the um, music production company. It didn't matter. Like yeah. everybody's going to know what he's all about. And, and yeah. you got to give some credit to that. It's a little bit of what you're saying of like, don't, you can't hold it back. Like if you want to grow your business and you want to build these things, you got to get it out there for everybody to know. And I just, I was really impressed by that. And what you said just kind of sparked that. Well, I, look, I'm not a guru on this at all, you know, and, and a lot of what I'm sharing today has just come from a bunch of failing forward, right? Of just like realizing and not putting yourself out and not having that. And then all it starts for people who are like, I do need to be better at that. There's probably a lot of people listening. It's like, I do need to be better at that. You know how you start? Do it. For, th- come up with three ways that you can, you can reach out for help this next month. Mm. Next month, try to come up with four. Next month, come on with five. Again, simple little, this is, you, you see how my brain thinks, right? I'm just like, yeah. trick yourself. I, it's like all about <laughs> self-manipulation almost. It's like, I'm going to force myself to like play this game and say, I did it. And then you'll get the wins. You'll get the, you know, you, you do it one time. You're like, whoa, that was really easy. And that's, that's a really great idea. Yeah. I don't know why I sat around thinking for two days on this. I'm just going to do that from now on. 
You know what? This just makes me think that on my to-do list uh, that I create every morning of like, what are the things I have to get done today? I'm going to put in two of like asking for help. I love that idea of, or just reaching out to somebody or connecting with like asking for something from someone. Everybody's like, Hey, is there anything I can do for you? Or like, Hey, how's it going? Right. Like, how's it going? Oh, the weather's kind of nice. You know, when I get on a call with somebody, like, how's it going? I'm like, I'm good. I'm trying to solve this. Yeah. I love it. Just try it. And like, watch what people say. Like some people are like, Oh, that's cool. (laughs) You know, other people are like, that's interesting. You know, I just happen to know somebody that does this and this, or I, or, you know, it doesn't always have to be this. Like, have you ever thought about doing this? People just naturally start to help you. Casey, this is like the best advice to end on. I got one last personal question for you. Okay. The way you just said that is a game changer for so many of us. So I want us all to really hear it. So what Casey, what you just said, Casey, is like, if I get on the phone with you and I'm like, how are you? And you're like, oh, I'm trying to solve this, right? X, Y, Z. That is very different than what people are afraid of doing, which is, hey, Tamara, I need your help with this, right? Those are two yeah, yeah. Do different languages of the same thing. And so I'm going to start, you've just changed my world, Casey. Thank you. I feel like some of these, these podcasts, like I know they're for the like thousands and thousands of people listen, but sometimes I feel like I get personal help. We're always self-learning. I'm I'm sitting here doing the same thing going like, I "I need to be better. I used to do that way more than I do now, you know, (laughs) but I'm going to start saying it that way. And people are like, how's it going? I'm going to be like, well, we're really trying to solve this and be specific. And I do think we want to help, right? Yeah. Well, how authentic you come across too. Love if somebody's it. ever done it to you, you're, you're, you're like, huh, that's really cool. Like, how can I help? It's yeah. usually the first question out of your mouth. Well, and, and just like it just happened, like I emailed you about the podcast, you emailed maybe me about the person you're trying to connect with. And I was, and I don't have it yet, but I'm still working on it because you asked. I know. And I was surprised you're still working on it because I've already asked 10 other people and I've gotten like 40 referrals. <laughs> so of course I'm working on it. Yeah. You asked. So, like, so I love that, but I love that. I feel like that was a mic drop language game changer for people. That was the whole like Dr. Seuss awesome. sentence right there of like, instead of saying, I need help in this being like, well, here's what I'm trying to solve. Like, here's what I'm working on. And people will come out of the woodworks to help you if you vocalize it. I love that. All right, Casey. So I could talk to you forever, but I'm seeing one last question, which is okay. personal. What's the one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? Uh, I think the biggest thing to be a surprise is that I went to college on a full ride for music and theater and was like super, super creative all through my youth. And then one day I figured out how to take creativity to data and business. And I've been on a mission ever since for 20 plus years now. So I just, I would just, that's what I would share is like, most people have no idea that I was ever in the arts and like really yeah. good. And, you know, was kind of on the main stage for a while. And it's kind of just this unique wait. thing because I'm such did an you, analytical person yeah. <laughs> by nature. Well, did you play instruments? Like, what did you play? Like, I need to know a little bit more here. I grew, I played electric bass guitar. I played upright bass. Oh I played, gosh. I played trombone. I played clarinet. I sang in every choir. I was in every jazz band. I was in show choir. Wow. I was in all the shows of theater. I mean, my poor parents, they just drove around every night and every weekend, my childhood, you know, until you have kids, you don't, you don't really understand what your parents do for you. No, you um, don't. You really don't. <laughs> Sometimes like, I wow. now in my like late forties <laughs> with teenagers, I call my parents and I'm like, I'm so sorry. You, sorry. you were so selfless. Gosh. Yeah, I had no idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's, that's, I think that's kind of my oh, unique, interesting. my unique piece. It's just a it. little, little different. You know, yeah. my wife would, my wife would have said, I'm Jekyll and Hyde. Like I'm all business. And then you get me in front of my kids and it's like, I have no fear in the world. And I'm just a silly, you know, five-year-old. Um, I love it. So anyway. I love it. Well, Casey, thank you so much. It's just, uh, so many great insights came out of this conversation. So I, I appreciate awesome. your sharing your brilliance with us. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It was great to, to be here and help add any type of you know insights that people can jump. And again, just for everybody listening, take action. It's the only way you, yeah, only way you see a change. It's truth. 
Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.